Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. Well, good morning, Eden Church. Hey, you guys don't necessarily know who I am. I'm the pastor of a church called Vantage Point Church in Southern California. No booing right now. I know you guys are in Northern California. I actually grew up in Northern California, so I love the Bay Area. Here's the thing. You may not necessarily know me, but I definitely know you guys. Our church has been a partner church of Eden's ever since the very beginning. And here's the thing. I'm not only a huge fan of your church, I am a huge fan of your pastor. Pastor Daniel is not only one of the funniest and one of the most genuine guys that I know, but guys, he is just the real deal. He loves his family. He loves his God. He's one of the greatest leaders that I know. So I got a small homework assignment for you guys. This season has been real tough on pastors. So would you write a thank you note to your pastor this week? And here's the thing. If you want extra credit, put a gift card in it. Because me and Daniel's mentor says this. What's the first thing that you do when you get a thank you card? You shake it and you see if anything comes out of it. There were a lot of things that became popular during the pandemic. Not, not only was ground beef and hand sanitizer super, super popular, but outside of that, do you know what became a popular sales item on Amazon? Cookbooks. I mean, even though you could go online and look at whatever recipe that you wanted to, everybody was buying up the Magnolia cookbook and cooking at home. You'd go to the grocery store and you couldn't find a deck of cards anywhere. People were playing board games again. My family, we were playing a game called Pandemic during the pandemic. But do you know what also became a real popular item during this pandemic? Puzzles. I would have never expected that puzzles would make a comeback, but they totally did. I don't know if you know this, but puzzles were first invented in the 1700s, but in America they didn't become popular until the 1930s because of a little-known historical event here called the Great Depression. And all of a sudden, during the Great Depression, we had a lot of time on our hands and we were looking for some things to do. Does that sound familiar at all? Kind of sounds like the situation that we're in right now, right? Now, if you've ever done a puzzle, the most demoralizing, the most discouraging time during a puzzle is during the beginning. Because you open up the box, you pour out all the pieces on the table, and you just have one big mountain of chaos. And what you do is you look at one individual piece, and you think to yourself, there's nothing that makes sense out of this piece. You you have no idea where this piece fits. A whole bunch of nooks and crannies, and you have no idea how all of these interlocking pieces go together. There's only one hope that you have. There's only one thing that you have, one key that's going to help you unlock the puzzle. And what is that? It's the top of the box. I mean, if you don't have the big picture, then good luck. I mean, it's going to be almost impossible to put that thing together. And what I'm trying to say is this, what's true with a puzzle is also true with life. Do you know why? Because right now what we're doing is we're looking at individual days, we're looking at individual circumstances, individual seasons, individual people, and we think to ourselves, there's nothing about this season of life that makes sense. 
I just don't know how my life fits together with all of the different days of my life and all. I just, I just can't make sense of what's going on right now. Like for example, maybe you have the one piece of government and you just don't know why government just won't lift all restrictions. You have another piece called school and you don't understand why school just can't go back to normal. You have another individual piece called the vaccine and you're wondering why it takes so long for all for us to be able to find a cure and you look at all of these individual pieces and you know what you just don't understand you don't understand how all of these different things fit together well i have good news for you this is what they say that romans is the most important book of the bible romans chapter 8 is the most important chapter in the most important book and today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about Romans 8.28, which a lot of people say is the most important verse of the most important chapter in the most important book of the Bible. Do you know why? Because Romans chapter 8.28 is the top of the box. It's the very piece that holds everything together. And what does Romans 8.28 say? It says this right here. And we know that in all things that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Man, there is so much, very short verse, but there is so much good stuff and so many good promises to unpack there. So let's go ahead and start with the first three words, okay? And we No. Isn't that good? That is amazing. Do you know why that's so amazing? Because there's a lot that I don't know about life right now. I don't know when this is going to end. I don't know when the economy is going to come back. I don't know when church is going to come back. You know, in fact, what you're going to find is that Paul says something kind, something that I think is kind of encouraging just two verses before this. And in Romans chapter 8, 26, he says this, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Isn't that encouraging? The Apostle Paul of all people, one of the greatest Christians to have ever lived in the history of the world, do you know what his proclamation is? He says this, you know, when I pray, I don't know what I ought to pray for. You know what? And honestly, I feel like that all the time too. I want to sit there and I want to be able to connect with God. I don't know what to pray for. Somebody has cancer and they're not looking very good. I don't know what to pray for. Somebody loses their job in the middle of all this. Sometimes I don't know what we ought to pray for. He says we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. He says, there's a lot in life that is, that's uncertain. But then he gets to Romans 8.28, and he said, but in the midst of all of that uncertainty, guess what? There is one thing that you can be certain about. And what is that one thing? And we know that in all things, I looked up what all means in the Bible, and do you know what all means? All means all than in good times and in bad, paradise and pandemic, 
that whether your kids are going back to school physically or whether they're just distance learning right now and you can't even figure out how to log on to Google Classroom, whether you're happily married or whether the other person just told you that things aren't working out, he says what? That in all things, here's the promise that God is working for your good, right? That God is trying to bless you. That God is for you and that God is not against you. I want you to think about this, that every single day of your life, what God is trying to do is God is trying to pour out. He is using the full force of himself to pour out goodness upon your life. And we know that in all things and in all circumstances and in all situations, God is working for your good. Preachers love to use this line, and it goes something like this. God is good, everybody says, all the time. Preacher says, all the time, God is good. We're going to try that right now, and I know you can't yell back at me, so I want you to go ahead and write this in in the comment section. I'm going to say God is good. You're going to say all the time. Okay, here we go. Ready for it? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. We love that phrase. I love that phrase. And do you know when I love saying that phrase? When things are going really good. I think God is good when I get that stimulus check. I think God is good when my family is healthy. I think God is good when I'm sitting on a beach and I'm watching the beauty of God's creation. The sunset going over the water is so good. So easy to look at that situation and look at each other and go, wow, honey, you know what? God is so good. But here's what I want you to think about. If we can't say that statement when things are bad, then we can't say it at all. Is God not good when we're going through chemo treatments? Is God not good when your boyfriend just broke up with you? Is God not good in the midst of a global pandemic? Let me tell you a little story. Once upon a time, there was a farmer who had plowed his field for years, and uh, one day his horse ended up running away. So the farmer's friend comes up to him and says, I heard that your horse ran away. That's awful. Farmer says, we'll see. Next day, the horse ends up coming back, but the horse brings two other horses with it. So the farmer's friend ends up coming to him and says, I heard your horse came back and brought two other horses with it. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. What great fortune. Farmer says, we'll see. The next day, the farmer's son ends up riding one of those horses, ends up getting bucked off of the horse and breaking his leg. Farmer's friend ends up coming up to him and says, heard what happened to your son. Wow, what a horrible turn of events. That's awful. Farmer says, we'll see. The next day, military officials end up coming to the town in order to, cons in order to conscript young men for military service. They look at his son that's broken his leg, and they end up passing him over because of it. Farmer's friend ends up coming to him and said, I've heard that the military passed up your son. What great news. You know what the farmer says? We'll see. You know what the, the, the moral of that story is? The moral of that story is that you and I are not God. 
And in not being God, you and I have an inability to see the big picture. The only thing that we can see is this one little piece of the puzzle. The only thing that we can see is this one day, this one season of our lives. And guess what? It looks ugly, doesn't it? It looks misshapen. There's nothing about this puzzle piece that makes sense. But you know what the Bible's trying to say? The Bible's trying to say this, that just because you have a bad piece doesn't mean that you have a bad picture. That please do not base the quality of your life based upon the quality of a day. In fact, let me ask you this question right here. If you're reading a book, does one bad page make for a bad chapter? No. Does one bad chapter mean that it's going to be a bad book? No. Because you know what one bad chapter means? One bad chapter just means that you're ready to make your comeback. Because it's only God. It is only God that can turn your test into a testimony. It is only God that can take your story and use that to bring God greater glory. And here's the thing, what you have to understand is that God is not saying that all things are good. There are a lot of things that are happening in this world that are bad. What he's trying to say is this, that it's only God that can take all of that bad and turn it into something good. When Candy Leitner lost her 13-year-old daughter to a hit-and-run drunk driver, there was nothing good about it. But you know what happened? She got mad. And then she formed bad, which is Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, and she ended up saving countless lives because of it. John Walsh had a six-year-old son abducted from a Florida shopping mall and found him gruesomely murdered two weeks later. Seven years later, he ended up creating and hosting a show called America's Most Wanted, where he ended up bringing a, a number of people to justice, including his son's killer, 20 years later. Nothing good about those situations, but only God can bring about good from them. Maybe you're smart enough to solve this puzzle right here. I mean, this totally doesn't make sense, right? I mean, there's no way that you could read that paragraph. Actually, many of us could read it because evidently all it takes is for you to know the first letter and the last letter in order to make sense of the whole paragraph, right? Here's what I'm trying to say. That you can have confidence even when you don't have clarity. Because there's nothing clear about that paragraph, right? But can we have confidence in what the message of the paragraph is actually saying? Absolutely. In other words, that your life can make perfect sense, even when your life is perfect, and even when it doesn't make sense. That in other words, that your life can look all messed up, your life can look all backwards, but as long as you know the end of the word, we can know that everything's gonna be all right. And you know what Romans 8.28 is? Romans 8.28 is the end of the word. And do you know what, what it's saying? It's saying this, that one day, one day, that good will triumph over evil.
Right will triumph over wrong. Peace will triumph over pandemic. And one day, God will take everything that has happened in your life during this time, and God will make it good. You know what I love about Romans 8.28? Romans 8.28 is the secret decoder ring to life, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot about our life that's not going to make sense until we get to heaven. There's going to be a lot about your life that isn't right, that isn't good until you get to heaven. But let me tell you this, make no mistake that one day God will make all of this good. And that's what we want so badly, right? What we want so badly is certainty. What we want so badly is perfection. And I'm here to tell you that you're wrong. That you don't need perfection in order to have confidence. That what you need is a relationship with a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And here's the greatest news of all. That in order to make everything good in your life, that there was a man named Jesus Christ who came to this world 2,000 years ago in order to die for your sins so that if you would believe in him, that you and I not only would have our ticket punched to heaven, but that we would have a relationship with him. That he would make everything right, not only in the next life, but in this life. And maybe you want a relationship with that God right now. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. But before you pray it, I want you to be bold. I want you to make a declaration. And right here, right now, in front of your church family, right in the comment section, I want you to type in yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to Jesus right now in this moment. Why don't you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, we love you so much, God. And there is so much about our circumstance and situation right now that just does not make sense. But we thank you so much for your word because your word just helps us navigate through all of these difficulties. It helps us see that even though a lot of things don't make sense right now, that one day that you will take all of our ashes, God, and that you will turn it into something beautiful. So we receive your love into our lives and we look at the rest of our lives through the filter of faith, God. We love you so much. We pray all of these things in your precious son's name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey guys, real quickly, I just want to say this. If this message was helpful for you right now, I would maybe it'd be helpful for somebody else too. If that's the case, would you just share this right now on whatever platform you're at? And then maybe not only will it change your life, but it'll change somebody else's too.